0: So I was supposed to teach last week, but fun story about that. So I'm on day 28 of a headache, which is not like to, for pity, that's just like context. So on day 14 of my headache, um, uh, my dad texts me and the text is supposed to read, I need you to teach First Peter next week. And I had signed up to teach First Peter, so that would have been last week, day 21 of my headache. And I was like, so my, what actually came through was, I need to teach First Peter next week. And so I was like, that's a weird text, but okay. So my response back was, okay. So he thought I was teaching and I thought he was teaching. Um, and anyway, that's, that's how he, like two days before he was like, hey, you're teaching, right? And I was like, no, I thought you were teaching. And then mom was like, and that's why we proofread. Um, uh, 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 moral of the story is moms moms are always right. Um, So, um, today we're talking about 2 Timothy, which is the last of um, Paul's books chronologically in the New Testament. We're going to miss Paul. It's kind of crazy because Paul has written, like, literally everything up until this point. There's, like, been the Gospels in Paul. So, um I think literally what we had first Peter last week and I think that that was it, right? That, besides the gospels, right? Okay, am, am I missing anything? Besides <laughs> Besides Sorry, what? Nope, yep Pretty much just just Paul. Um so, meaning that Randall's gonna, Randall's gonna get pretty, pretty hot and heavy with the, with the later, drawn stuff in the next couple of weeks. So, um, don't worry, we will have a lovely send off to Paul at the end of the PowerPoint today. Okay, Saint Timothy. Um, is this gonna work? Yeah, pretty okay. As always, there's no way I can do the content any better than the Bible Project, so I thought um, if you hate these Bible Project YouTube videos, sorry. Um, this one's only seven and a half minutes, so just run and bear it. I like. Oh, good. Good, good. Um, what I hate is people sniffing and chomping gum, and inevitably, in wintertime, someone's sniffing and, or chomping gum, so you know what? You live and you learn. All right, the people that are hating these videos are really excited now. Yeah. <laughs> but I just told you to get over it. Technology is in your favor. Okay, so uh, I'll just recap Second Timothy for you. So, um, Second Timothy was written while Paul is in jail. Um, you know what? Let's just go through the let's just go through the slides and what? Oh, the, they're just kidding. There's their way to do it. Where there's a will, there's a way. There's technology. There we go.
1: Paul's second letter to <laughs> Timothy. This is Paul's final and most personal letter. He wrote it from yet another time in prison, and it's addressed to Paul's dear co-worker and protege, the young Timothy. Now, we don't know how much time exactly has passed since he wrote First Timothy, but we can see that Paul's situation has changed, and for the worse. He's imprisoned in Rome, which could refer to his time under house arrest that was mentioned in Acts chapter 28. Or it could be that he was released from that imprisonment, had another long season of ministry, and then was arrested again in Troas. Either way, Paul says he's in the middle of his court trial now, and it is not going well. He's pretty sure he's not going to survive this one. And so out of this very dark situation, Paul appeals to Timothy, who it seems is still on assignment in Ephesus. He asks Timothy to come be with him in prison so Paul can pass on to him the church planting mission he started. The letter's design is pretty simple. There are two large sections where Paul challenges Timothy. First, to accept his calling as a leader. And then, before he comes to Paul, to deal with the corrupt teachers that are still causing problems in Ephesus. After this, Paul concludes the letter. So Paul begins by thanking God for Timothy and his family, specifically for his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. They immersed the young Timothy in the story of the Old Testament scriptures. They instilled in him a deep faith in the Messiah Jesus. And so because of that firm faith, Paul offers his first challenge to Timothy. He calls him to reject any temptation to be ashamed of the good news about Jesus or of Paul who's suffering in prison for announcing that good news. Now, the reason Paul needs to emphasize this is the negative stigma that he gained by his frequent times in prison. It made many of Paul's co-workers, in fact, doubt his calling as an apostle. He mentioned two guys, Fugelis and Hermogenes. They deserted Paul because they were ashamed of being associated with Paul, who was an accused criminal now. So Paul asked Timothy to reject any fear of shame and to come see him. Now, Paul knows that this is a costly request. It could put Timothy at risk. And so he reminds Timothy that Jesus' grace is a source of power, which is really important. You're going to need it because following Jesus is not easy. It requires everything that you have. Paul likens following Jesus to enrolling as a soldier who's striving to please their commanding officer. Or it's like an athlete who's training their body for a competition. Or it's like a hard-working, dedicated farmer. All three of these metaphors involve a person who's committed to something bigger than themselves and who's willing to sacrifice and endure challenges to accomplish a greater goal. And of course, the highest example of this is Jesus himself. Because of his commitment to the Father, he suffered crucifixion by the Romans. And similarly, Paul himself is now suffering in a Roman prison. Hardship and sacrifice are inherent to the Christian life. And this is why Jesus' resurrection is the foundation of Christian hope. Or as Paul puts it in a short and very powerful poem, If we died with him, then we will live with him. If we endure, then we will reign with him. If we deny him, then he will deny us. If we are unfaithful, he will remain faithful, for he is unable to deny his own nature. God's love for our world has opened up a new hope through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so for those who will take the risk of trusting and following Jesus, God promises vindication and life. For those who reject him, God will honor that decision and do the same. But people's faithlessness will never compel God to abandon his faithfulness. And so Paul calls Timothy to faithfulness, knowing that it may come with a cost. Paul moves into the second half of the letter, calling Timothy to confront the corrupt teachers in Ephesus before he comes to Rome. Their teaching is spreading in the Ephesian church like a cancer. They've targeted and corrupted a number of influential women in the church. These are likely the wealthy women that Paul had to deal with in his first letter to Timothy. He doesn't offer much detail about the teacher's bad theology. Timothy already knows about it. But he does give us one hint. He says they teach that the resurrection has already taken place. Now we don't know if the teachers are following a Greek philosophical rejection of the whole idea of bodily resurrection and they think it's only really about spiritual experience or it could be that they've simply distorted Paul's teaching about the resurrection life that begins now through the power of the spirit. Either way, the problem is that they've abandoned the robust future hope of resurrection and of new creation. And they've embraced instead a private, hyper-spiritualized Christianity that is disconnected from day-to-day life. And so Paul calls Timothy to raise up faithful leaders who are going to teach the real good news about Jesus. They should avoid senseless arguments that result from debating the teachers. In contrast, Timothy and his leadership team are to keep the main thing the main thing. They should focus on the core storyline and message of the scriptures, which in Paul's day meant primarily the Old Testament. These scriptures, Paul says, are able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith in the Messiah, Jesus. He's saying the whole point of the scriptures is to tell you a unified story that leads to Jesus and that has wisdom to offer the whole world. Then Paul talks about scripture's nature and purpose. He says all scripture is divinely breathed, literally God-spirited. It's a reference to the Spirit's role in guiding the biblical authors so that what they wrote is what God wanted his people to hear. And God speaks to his people in the scriptures for a very practical purpose. He says, they're useful for teaching, telling me things I didn't know before. They're useful for challenging, getting in my face about the things I say I believe, but I don't actually live consistently with. They're useful for correcting me, exposing my messed up ways of thinking and behaving. And they're useful for training me in righteousness, showing me a new way to be truly human. And this is all so that God's people will be prepared for doing good. Paul closes the letter by reminding Timothy that he's probably not going to make it out of prison alive. So he asks Timothy to come as soon as possible, before winter. He doesn't want to freeze in his cell, and so he's going to need his heavy coat that he had to leave behind. And also, could Timothy please bring those personal documents that he left in Troas, likely when he got arrested? He also mentions Alexander, who's an especially dangerous man that Timothy should avoid. He's probably responsible for Paul's most recent arrest. Paul concludes by mentioning how nearly everyone's abandoned him in prison. And his only source of comfort now is the personal presence of Jesus, who stands with him and will deliver him even if he dies. And so the letter ends. The letter of 2 Timothy stands as a reminder that Paul's very influential life and mission were marked by persistent challenge and suffering and struggle. Following Jesus involves risk and sacrifice. It means inviting tension and discomfort into your life. And these things are not a sign of Jesus' absence. Rather, as Paul discovered, with generations of Christians after him, that precisely in those dark and difficult moments, Jesus' love and faithfulness can become the most tangible and real. And that's what 2 Timothy, Paul's final letter, is all about.
0: what, when, where, why, no wait, who, who, when, where, why, the the what's not important I guess. Uh, Okay, so uh, who can tell me the, the two who's, the from who and the to whom? Paul who? (coughs) From Paul to? Timothy. Timothy, yeah, it's kind of, it's in the title, right, yeah. So from Paul written in jail to Timothy and it's, uh, it's assumed that uh, Timothy was in Ephesus uh, using context clues. Um, that's where we assume he was in 1 Timothy and where we assume that he still was in 2 Timothy. Okay, so again with everything with Paul's life, we're going to uh, add or subtract about two years. So, with his Roman imprisonment, we're gonna say it's about 62 to 66. Um, so, unlike his first imprisonment where he was under house arrest, this time he's actually in a jail. Um, and I think he's in Ephesus? No. Or in oh. Rome? In Rome. Rome. Okay. Paul's in Rome. Timothy was in Ephesus. Correct. Um, so, unlike nowadays when, when you are in prison, the state is is footing your bill and the state is the one providing your bedding and your food and your medical care, um, you, you're you responsible for all your own costs. So if you can't provide your own food, you go hungry. If you can't provide your own coat, you uh, go cold. So that's why he's talking about like, Timothy, please bring me my coat before winter time. Um, so Paul, um, Paul's four years in prison were probably very hard on him. Um, So he's in jail for four years. He writes the letter to Timothy sometime in there. We're not exactly sure when. So we're just going to guess 64. Um, And then at the end of that time, Paul is murdered. Um, We don't exactly know what he's murdered for. We don't exactly know how he's murdered. Um, Do
2: Do we know if Timothy made it before he died? back in those days that's a pretty good trip from Ephesus to Rome.
0: It is. Um, In my next in my in two slides from now I have I have a map so you'll see you'll see the map Um, if in 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 classes past we if so like if you remember that that map um, you remember how how long of a distance that is um, especially because and nowadays you can just hop on a plane and be there in a couple hours but it would take a couple months and you know, if you went by boat or by foot which were your options back, back in ye old times um, so uh, the Catholic Church which were the keepers of the Christian uh, Christian faith back in back in the first century um, they, They um, believe that Saint Paul was beheaded. Um, There, and that is a very common way that the um, Roman um, that the Roman Roman government government. (laughs) Y'all, I'm on (laughs) this this drug that. One of the side effects is brain fog, and I tell you what, it is like real um, government. What the empire? That's the word I was looking for. Roman Empire. Um, One of the ways that they executed people. Anyway, very common, very possible that Paul was executed, but we just we just don't know for for sure. Um, In the same way that we don't know that Peter was crucified upside down, but that's just like the common common belief. Anyway, so, um, all right, so because this is the last time we're talking about Paul, I thought we would give a little Paul refresher on his timeline. And again, let's remind us a couple of years. So, we believe he was born about 5 AD. Um, 30 to 34 AD, he persecuted Christians. Remember, he was a very serious Jew, so he um, was raised as a Pharisee. Like, he was the serious, serious, um, like, about a new. Knew the Jewish laws as well as you could. Um, could quote it very seriously, and was a Roman citizen. Um, on the road to Damascus, he was converted to Christianity. He went from Saul to Paul, right? Um, and then his missionary journeys began. So, and this is uh, like we know more about, way more about Paul's life than this. This is like a not even a thirty thousand foot view. This is a thirty million foot view. This is. Way zoomed out for his life. So these are his three missionary journeys. Um, I have his two house arrests here. Um, The first house arrest is about four years, and the second house arrest, or the second imprisonment, is about four years. First house (coughs) arrest, um, he can't leave his house, but he can have visitors. He's in a home. It's relatively cushy as far as imprisonments go because you are in your own house especially compared to the second imprisonment. Um, and we're going to talk about where he is imprisoned. Um, it's now a, a um, it's uh, because the Catholics got kind of a hold of it, it's it's now um, a um, cathedral. Whew, there's that brain fog again. OK, so this is a map of all three of Paul's missionary journeys. So down here in the bottom we have Jerusalem and uh sort of uh Antioch is is home base so you can see where he does all three of his loops (laughs) Ephesus is right here so Ephesus and his third missionary journey he um spends three years so it's kind of hard to kind of hard to tell that like um his third missionary journey is the one in purple He, like, camps out here for three years. So even though it's a loop, um, I I sort of wish that, like, there was a way for you to tell that, like, it's a loop, but, like, it's almost sort of like it's a loop that you should make in two parts. Um, It's very much, it's very much a two-parter. And there's a fourth, question mark, missionary journey because We don't know if in between the house arrest and the Roman imprisonment, he went to Spain or not. Some people think he did, and there just aren't any letters about it. And some people think maybe he didn't because we don't have any letters about it. So um, you'll see some people talk about it, maybe some people not. Where was the house arrest when he was you know, where that so that's where he wrote the prison epistles, Ephesians, um, Caesarea. Caesarea.
3: No, on the coast, Caesarea Maritime, yeah. The prettiest place in the whole world.
0: Okay. Okay. So, so he was right, in front of
3: your face, Caesarea. Okay.
0: Um, so the house arrest was when this was like a... a it was like the issue that never ended it started with the demon girl that um was following them around and so finally he like yelled at the demon to get out of the girl and then they su- the owners of the slave girl yelled at or sued him because they were like that was how we made our money and like you made the demon get out of the girl and now we can't get our money and you caused a riot, and like, blah, 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 blah. blah. Like, it, it just kept snowballing. Um, anyway, that was that whole situation. So, question to the group. Why was Paul in prison when we're talking about the Roman imprisonment? Does anybody know? Mm-hmm. I would say insurrection insurrection it's a bit of a trick question <laughs> sorry Randall. The, the answer is we don't know for sure um so one possible theory is insurrection because paul anywhere paul went insurrection christians jews like that was always a always um something that the um that was constantly following Paul. Another theory was what happened right around 64 in Rome.
2: Nero. Nero, the
0: the fire in Rome, right? They were looking for somebody to blame, and Nero blamed the Christians, and Paul was a leader of the Christians. So it's possible that Nero was blaming Paul, a leader of the Christians. So that is a theory. Again, just a theory. There's no real like, paperwork to back that up, just like scholars being like, I don't know, it could work. Another theory is like, Jews were like, we don't like that guy so
2: it goes along with the insurrection idea well to, to, to reinforce the insurrection um, with Nero and Rome's paranoia it's hard to imagine a personality uh, in the world at that time because of his travels and because of his uh, image among the Christians he would be the, maybe the one person throughout Christendom that was commonly known. So if Nero was going to try to put a lid on Christianity, going to the, the primary voice of Christianity in the world at that time could be a smart move.
0: Yeah, that's true. If there is a face of Christianity, it's probably Paul at that point. Yeah, that's true. So the Roman imprisonment of Paul takes place after the end of Acts, so that's another reason why we really don't know what's happening. Acts has already ended at this point. Um, So a lot of what's happening with Paul, we look to the book of Acts to sort of pinpoint what's happening, and because Acts has already ended, we can't really do that, which is a bummer. So we we have no other choice but to guess. And so that's, that's what we do. And by we, I mean scholars, uh, I'm, which oh, I am not one. I use we in the like British sentence. <laughs> so where was it written? So Mamertine prison. and if I were Italian, I would call it Carcere Mamertino. <laughs> I hope I did OK with that. Uh, so, it is on Capitol Hill in Rome. Uh, have we been there? Capitol Hill? Mm-hmm. Yes. Good. Okay. Uh, my Rome experts have know where Capitol Hill is. Um, I've been to Rome. That's uh, that's all I've been. Everything that's like ruins it all looks the same to me. Isn't that terrible?
2: Well, there's a place that that take tourists there it's about what 200 feet north of the forum back around the corner out toward the boulevard okay
0: cool
2: and there's a prison they take you in and they'll take you in cells and they'll say that it's possible this is where paul was held but there is there there there.
0: yeah Yeah, i mean there's a place that's called the church of saint peter and saint paul
2: well this isn't in a church this is
0: okay
2: a a north part of the forum not down the lower Mm -hmm. level but up on the street level uh, okay. But it, it, it's not part of the church.
0: It's okay. Good, okay, okay. I
2: don't think it is. Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, I got most of my I got most of my information on this from Wikipedia, so I cannot confirm the accuracy of this part. Um. But um, Yeah, that's why I didn't include pictures because the picture I saw was approximately this big. But um, yes the. Um, the good thing about Rome is that the stuff they built was very, very architecturally sound and most of it is, is still intact today.
3: You know, that, the, the movie that only Jeff and I have seen entirely called, um, <laughs> it, 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 You know, I, I love movies that they, they've spent a great deal of time and research and trying to paint a picture and the picture, it gave me in my mind is this is at a time when Christians are being persecuted in Rome so the Christian community was kind of hidden, hidden away. And Luke, from Acts 13 on, Luke is with Paul. That's that's the emphasis of the book of Acts. And so Luke would go every day, whether this is true or not, this is how I see it. Um, <clears throat> Luke would go and they were friendly with some of the prison guards. And he would actually walk into the prison, and they would take him back, and he would be put in the same cell with Paul all day long. And Luke would bring his notepad, and he would write things down. You know, At one point in time, Paul said something. He said, you know, for me to live as Christ. And to die would be gain. And Luke goes, Wait, 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 wait! I gotta get another pencil. <laughs> hey, you know, that's—I think that may be how it actually how it actually took place. It gave me a vision of that, but it was not. He wasn't totally isolated. He had people that could visit him, and I, I, I think it's very believable. Yeah, and there, I mean, in the New Testament, there is a hint that Paul actually converted some of the Praetorian Guard to Christianity. The Praetorian Guard are the guys that run the prison, and then like you said earlier, you had to provide your own food, your own bedding. So it wasn't that there's no visitors, uh, and also if you could make contributions to the, uh, the prison guard retirement fund, you could get in or easier. Uh, it, it was a little bit of capitalism there. <laughs>
0: Money makes the world
3: go round. Right. And yeah. So if the guards were in fact some of the guards were Christian. Uh, it would have been easier to get in Paul in actual prison.
0: So why was this written? Um, you can tell just by reading this letter. So this letter is pretty short. It's only four chapters. Um, you can tell by reading it that, like, Paul, this is a letter to his friend. He, you can tell that he knows that He's going to die soon. You can tell that, look, I just had a uh, part of my trial go, and it didn't go per- especially well. Um, there's a good chance that life <coughs> is going to end soon. Um, this is a, a part of two verses from 2 Timothy. The time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Um, he is, ha, he asked Timothy to come visit him a couple of times um, you are probably very familiar with this this is uh, pretty common to be read at funerals or celebrations of life um, and you know it's 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 a bummer but like it's it's something that every person who, who lives a long christian life has to face the idea of like i'm not going to live forever if i have served god for many years like what what is what is the end of my life going to look like so very 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 briefly i'm going to like summarize what these four chapters are and again this is just recapping what you all um Watched in that video. Um, so in chapters one, two, three, and four, the first chapter, um, Paul talks to Timothy about fanning the flame of particularly, um, uh, fanning the flame of of um, the of your service of um, um, mm-hmm. like I, I think of that like 90s song, fan the flame, make me whole. <laughs> like man. I like, I loved that song so much when I was like five years old. Um, so he talks about like, do not fear. So the, the Greek word fear that he uses here. Um, so I think it's interesting that he doesn't use the fear word. Like um, like when you think of um, <coughs> Gabriel using the word like, do not fear when he talks to Mary. He, it's not that version of fear, like, um, like I'm a God-fearing man. It's a um, it's a fear like a timid like a like a not a not like a religious fear like a like a scared fear like don't be scared fear um, don't have a scared fear um, so chapter two be unashamed so this is where he's talking about um, so this is an idea that he introduces in chapter one and. He, brings it to fruition in chapter two, the idea of, like, I'm in prison, no one wants to deal with me, all my friends have abandoned me, like, I'm kind of, like, um, um, Hymenus and all these people have been, like, oh, gross, you're in prison, I want nothing to do with you, deuces. Um, and I think that's, uh, it's it's, it's an idea, it's just human nature, right? Like we have people in our lives that, um, that we, uh, I, I won't say that we act upon those urges, right? But we have those urges, right? If, if I, I mean, I, I I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you all. But um, human nature is, I don't want to associate myself with people that, like, you know, um... Are yeah, I'm yeah. Unpopular. Yeah, I'm yeah something, something has happened. They've made bad choices. They have <coughs> um, sullied themselves in some way. Sullied themselves? Is that, is that the right... Brain fog. Tell you what, struggle is real. Anyway, um, okay, so chapter three, you must stay strong. He talks about how, so this is where he's talking about how, um, he's specifically talking about how, like, there's the issues with the, like, the resurrection and the yada, 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 and the specifically with the Greek idea was the. But if we're going to make that and generalize it, um, there's going to be times when um, you're going to have, um, there's going to be temptations to take the easy way out, to do something the different way, to do something um, to do something that's more popular to do something that's not right but that's more people are doing it like don't do that um and Paul is talking to Timothy from a point a place of age and wisdom and he's talking to someone that he cares very deeply about who has lived less life than him but (coughs) he wants to save from making mistakes that he has um seen others or lived himself. That's what cost him very dearly. Um, Anyway, and chapter four is just a personal charge. Like, come very soon. You know, my time might be coming. So, Um, I thought this was a uh, almost funny uh, picture. So this is a beheading of Paul that was painted in the 1600s it's late renaissance. Um, It's just funny how people will take something from their time and and like, (laughs) do we really think that this is first century or do we think that this is 1600s and they've like put their own stamp on it? And you know, anyway, it just, so this is what the 1600s think that the first century was like. Um, It's just funny to me. Anyway, so. Goodbye, Paul. We hardly knew ye.
1: Um,
0: so, next week we have a guest speaker, and then after that we have Second Peter.